Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I am your host. My name is Steve. My co-host is Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Good evening. And tonight we're going to continue on with some of the unpopular opinions in wrestling. And because I thought we had a pretty lively discussion last week. What do you think? Well, there's a lot of opinions that can go with wrestling. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And even the the ones that we've mentioned, I know that there's far more uh, besides just the ones that we thought of. Um, but if anybody would like to know about their own opinions, please send us an email at armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast or Twitter at bookingarmchair. You can always go to our YouTube channel. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon. Have I forgotten anything, Kyle? You have not. Yep, I do like that nice segue. But before we actually get into the topic, um, speaking of opinions, do you realize what yesterday was the 10-year anniversary of? Yesterday should have been the 10-year anniversary of the Benoit murder. No, that that was in 2007. Then 10 years ago would have been CM Punk's pipe bomb. Yes, sir. And once again, Marilyn, we we keep having coincidences like this where we schedule something and then we don't even realize that there's something that actually plays into it. But, yeah, just a coincidence, I – not even kept up with that date, but I went back and watched it again today, and yeah, I think that would have fit perfectly into an opinion piece. Granted, it was CM Punk's opinions, you know, whether right or wrong. Some of the stuff I did agree with, not everything. Uh, what do you think when he first did it? Because I can I can actually tell you where I was when he did that one. That particular um, episode, I was in. Kentucky at my mom's house, we were there on leave from England. And so, I, I mean, I, obviously I didn't watch it because we were visiting people. But what did you think? So I can openly tell you that I can't find a single thing that he said that I disagree with. I see you agree with everything. I agree with everything, including his comments about John Cena. Well, wow. and he and Cena ended up becoming friends. That was a um, a rough moment for the WWE fans, but let, let's look back on the pipe bomb itself. There was um, someone that quoted it in an article, and... We can both agree that John Cena as a human being was, for the most part, especially with his Make-A-Wish stuff, a really nice guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nobody's going to question that. And at that point in time, at that point in time, they were... 
they were really pushing Cena down our throats, and he was super Cena. So the new Hogan. So, um, the idea that John Cena was the best, and this would have been 2011, easily agreeable that to make it to the top, John Cena was WWE's last individual superstar. Would that be pretty agreeable? Hmm. You don't think Roman Reigns would fit in that category? I do not. I think he will reach a point. But he will he will not eclipse uh, Hogan, Austin, Rock, or Cena. Yeah, now I'm, I'm yeah, I'm gonna have to think of if well there might be there might be somebody in the wings waiting because yeah even Orton he hasn't hit hit yeah, hitting I'm just making up words he has not hit kind of um, notoriety I guess yeah he's not on the, he and Orton's up there don't get me wrong you know I'm not trying to downplay him but he's not on on that level. The the toughest opinion that comes out of the pipe bomb promo is the Vince McMahon brass rings. And how many of the released wrestlers, there's over 50 of them now with the 13, 14 that happened last week. Oh, I thought it was only 32, which is still a lot. Including NXT. Um, how many mention the invisible brass ring? And by brass ring, you mean it's a it's a Vince McMahon fallacy. In order to get pushed, you need to do this. You need to basically pick a fight with Vince McMahon. I've actually read that. I've heard that from, you know, some other interviews with wrestlers. They've actually talked about that. They had to confront Vince and basically force his hand. But he said, that's what I've been waiting for is for you to do that. That, And think about someone we watched in a main event here a couple months ago, Cesaro. Is there, honestly, is there anyone better in the ring right now, bell to bell, in WWE than Cesaro? I, you know what? I can't think of anybody because I enjoy his matches no matter what. Because you know, he's gonna he's gonna put up a tough fight, no matter what. He can speak uh, six languages fluently. He can do anything in the ring. His issue is that Vince McMahon does not think he's promotable. He's not flashy, which, you know what, Bruno Sammartino wasn't flashy. Bob Backlund 
wasn't flashy. Flashy. Assuming the words, not flashy. And I, and do I granted that this was you know 40 years ago is a different era, but if you look at it, Mick Foley really isn't flashy either, and neither is somebody like an Arn Anderson. Randy Orton's really not that flashy, but they get it done. Well, you think about Cesaro, and you may not have liked the move, but the Cesaro swing. I hate that move. <laughs> I don't think it's him, you know, but I've never really cared for that move, even before Cesaro did it. But you, you don't care for it, but the majority of fans would count how many times he'd circle some something around. And what do they do? They take it away from him. They've let him bring they've let him have it back again because it does get the fans involved. And for some reason Vince the Vince it seems like like he does not like the fans to actually get involved the action. Where my my perspective is if the fans are dictating something and you're going along with it, that means you're making the fans happy. Now, I do know there is a certain point. There is a line. But just him doing the, the swing and what was, was it – how many times did he swing Seth Rollins? It was something like 16 times. It was a lot. Yeah. And I do like how he ends it because he doesn't just throw them. He – Stops and it immediately puts on the sharpshooter. So already they they're disoriented, you know they're dizzy, and now all of a sudden you know now they're getting their legs and their back broke by the the sharpshooter. And his sharpshooter actually looks like he does it well. Unlike the Rock sharpshooter, just looked like he was just kind of sitting on their their butt, just grabbing their legs, grabbing their feet. That was it. But Cesaro's looks good. Cesaro's looks like you know he's a heart brother putting it on somebody. And it's an invisible brass brass ring for as long as Vince McMahon is alive. And we know he does this now. He surrounds himself with yes men. And he does. What makes it onto television is what Vince McMahon likes. And I guess you can do that when you own the company. What Vince McMahon likes is not in line with what wrestling fans like right now. And it's kind of ironic. Apparently, Tony Khan just had an interview recently, and he was talking about one of the things that caused the demise of WCW. And you've, you know, I've actually spoken about this, but I think we talked about it last week, where part of the reason why. WCW failed was because there was no leadership. You didn't have that one person who was actually saying yay or nay to the uh, to the booking decisions, and that's why they had the the stories were changing on the fly during a live show. Whereas in the in WWF WWE, you have Vince in the old world class area. You had Jack Von Erich. In AWA, you had Vern Gagne. In Florida, you had Eddie Graham. Then later on, you had, had Dusty Rhodes. And then Dusty Rhodes went to Mid-Atlantic. And, and, of course, in Memphis, you had 
um, Jerry Jarrett. And in Continental, I think it was the Fullers. But you always had that one person. You didn't have a committee. And ironically enough, Vince, being that one person, has brought WWE to this multi-billion-dollar company that it is. But at the same time now, he's still the only person making the decisions or at least approving the decisions. And it's now going downhill because, like you said, I mean, and I agree with your point. As long as Vince McMahon is alive, he's going to be the one calling the shots. But I think part of that is Vince McMahon isn't writing the storyline. Somebody else is bringing them them to him, and he's the one. Now, he may do a couple of tweaks here and there, but by and large, he's not the one actually writing. And that's the problem. They get writers. Did you you see the recent story about the young lady who started working with them, and then she got fired not long after? Well, she got fired after her interview. Yeah. And what did she say in the interview? She was not required to know wrestling. Exactly. How do you have somebody come in there to write for your product, your entertainment product that you put in front of people who knows absolutely nothing about your product, nothing about your industry at all? You know, how do you uh, – makes no sense to me, and it makes me wonder, okay, how many other writers do they have on their payroll who know nothing about the product or knew nothing about the product because Vince wants to make movies. He wants to provide entertainment and theoretically only using theoretics here. They could use Hollywood writers if they had wrestling quality control people. Yes. And they don't. And they've evolved because it takes a lot of people to fill, what is it, 15 hours of television a week? With WWE? It's something like that. Uh, let's see, three, two, how much is NXT? Is it two? Two, then you have NXT UK. Oh, you think about that one, that's another two, so there's nine. Me is two main event 205 live so there's at least 12 or 13 so and they that's not including what they need to do for the house shows when they come back and whatever else is on the network there's when wrestling was great or when we were bigger fans there was, what, uh, two hours of Raw or Titans uh, on the USA Network and an hour on Saturday and Sunday for Wrestling Superstars Wrestling Challenge. And that's just the normal, and I, and I actually didn't have USA at the time. So I couldn't even watch that. So the only thing I could watch was Superstars and Wrestling Challenge, or as I call them, the Saturday show and the Sunday show. <coughs> um, and, you know, if you had certain channels, like if you had a satellite, there were certain channels there that you could actually catch even more. Like if you had the Madison Square Garden Network, you could catch the wrestling there. If you had the New England Sports Network, you could watch some shows there, because I actually did at, at a friend of mine's house. Saw Randy Savage beat Tito for the Intercontinental title. 
but like I said, now I mean I think it's been kind of suggested to the WWE that maybe you should trim Raw down to two hours instead of three because you're not doing yourself any favors by having this long show full of just fluff. And people are getting tired of seeing Bobby Lashley taking on Drew McIntyre over and over again. And it's nothing against them. People like Bobby Lashley and they like Drew McIntyre. They're just tired of seeing them fight each other. Everyone is overexposed. Right. And And, they're they're overexposed because their characters are not not developed or there's no easiest way to to explain it. Um, Nikki Cross became a superhero last week. With no explanation, but I don't think it's a bad move. I think it's getting her noticed, but, but why does she do it? Right. So it's the, the character development, the brass rings, you remember Wrestling Challenge, Wrestling Superstars. You have a vignette to develop a character, the Million Dollar Man being one. Yep. Not wrestling, but doing something to get over a motivation. Right. Um, Alexa Bliss is on television all the time right now for whatever Fruit Loop character she is. But that's the only one. And that one, what's odd is she started becoming all Fruit Loopy when she became Bray Wyatt's protege. But you haven't seen Bray Wyatt on TV in, what, about a month and a half at least? Since WrestleMania. And so that was back early April, so oh wow, almost three months now. So it's and maybe give where it differentiates with the NWF a little. You had um they did the highlight package for um what's the name of that thing that they put on the internet? Busting Moose. Bust and loose, and our favorite, Selena Dean, did a promo at 11 minutes, 40 seconds in the video. Character motivation. And not wrestling, not featured in any of the highlights, but a a promo does something to get over the character. And the better you know the character, the motivations the better that comes across on screen. You know, I haven't watched Bustin' Loose uh, this week yet. Now I feel bad because I haven't watched it yet. I need to go check that out. Probably check it out as soon as uh, we're done. But you're right. And I, I think what's wild is the in the indies, which NWF, I would consider it an indie company. Uh, I think it's probably one of the better indie companies, but they – the wrestlers, I mean, they they don't have the luxury of having the TV every week where somebody can kind of learn about their character 
And so they're developing it right then and there. And like you said, if they watch the Busting Loose, and the Busting Loose programs are not that long to begin with, and so they have very little time to actually kind of reel you in and explain everything in a way that I would almost say like the the lay fan would, you know, or the casual fan would understand. And I know Selena Dean, she does very, very good at her promos. Yeah, you have – you, you don't have any um, doubt about where her motivation is. And you, know, well, you that, have no – yeah. That and uh, a certain someone may have commented on the Bust and Loose video um, uh, about Selena Dean and her her performance. So I'm currently the only comment under <laughs> Bust and Loose you know, I will have to go check that out, and I guarantee you they appreciate your comment. So, I uh, it, it's just brass rings. Kofi Kingston had to achieve a brass ring, and it took him what ten years to to be the WWF champion. He was in the promotion for over 10 years before he won at WrestleMania last year. And it should have been way before that had he not uh, got on the bad side of one of their favorite uh, children, that being Randy Orton. Because he made a mistake in a match. He made a very small botch that nobody would have known was a botch had Randy Orton not got in there and showed his rear end. But that's the uh, again. There's you can tell in every episode that there are levels with who they're pushing, what, why they're pushing it, and it, it's that everything CM Punk said about Vince McMahon. The company would be better off with new leadership, and Vince McMahon has been and hated for what he's done in professional wrestling, but how many corporations, businesses, uh, however you want to put it, how many survive 30, 40 years Oh, hey, dude! I just called you directly from the actual New website. York. You there? That's yeah. It, it called in from New York. 
Yeah, so now that I have no idea why it just hung up like that. And for anybody who's listening, I apologize. No idea. We were just talking and it just cut. We didn't we didn't say Maven's name again, did we? I I didn't hear Maven. Okay. I'm thinking maybe, you know, because we were talking about the pipe bomb and and you were mentioning Randy Orton. We may have mentioned like something about bullies because when you watch the pipe bomb, they let it go. They were letting him speak, let him speak until all of a sudden he started mentioning the the culture of bullying that seemed to be prevalent and all of a sudden boop Mike got cut. Happens. Yep. So anyway, because we were talking about uh, I do know we were talking about Kofi Kingston and it took him ten years to make it to the top and I'd mentioned, you know, Randy Orton was kind of the cause of that. I think you, you said the brass ring at the end and then it got cut. Well, it's the whole thing is imaginary brass rings. What's it take to be pushed in WWE? It's not fan interest. It's not merchandise. It's whether or not Vince wants to make you a champion or not. And that's it. As long as you're pleasing one man, are those who are what cowtailing to that one one man? You're never going to have a a hip product. And and you know CM what's Punk, funny that actually goes to one of your points right. that you made. Go ahead. CM Punk was right. He he was right 10 years ago, and it's 100% relevant still. And we're always promised change. We're going to change the women's revolution, and we're going to do this with the women's matches. No, you, you did it for a couple weeks to placate the audience. But that's it. Well, this goes actually to one of the points that you sent me uh, last week. And you said to be someone, you have to beat someone. Now, do you think that also applies with what you're just saying with McMahon? As long as you impress Vince McMahon, you're going to be someone? Or... You're talk, are you talking like any organization besides the WWE? In, in all of wrestling, and honestly, all of combat sports, it, in order to be someone, you do have to beat someone. So, how many wrestlers get over not winning? Besides Barry Horowitz, um, I'm trying to think. I know they're, they're, you have the occasional lovable loser, but by and large, you're right. You do have to win. You have to beat somebody, and you're only as good as your last opponent, even if it is worked, but that that is the nature of it. Well, th- think about, let's go with the Miz. 
how many times has the Miz lost on WWE television in the last year prior to his injury? Well, with the way they do it, I would say about half the time because that's the way everybody works. And you know, like you like like you like to say, fifty fifty booking. So I'll say that applies to the Miz also. Sometimes he wins, sometimes he loses. So, but I couldn't, what, what I couldn't give you, you a definitive number. And I'm going to say out of 52, let's say he's wrestled 52 times, and or he's definitely appeared 52 times. Let's say he's wrestled 40. The Miz loses a lot more than he wins. So of the 40 matches, let's say he's 10 and 30. Okay, um, so so they uh, have 25%, him, 25% win they rate. Have him beat Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship with the assistance of Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley taps him out in relative ease. And The Miz goes into a WrestleMania match where he wrestles a celebrity, loses, and the celebrity can now say he beat a former WWE champion. Now, I will put <clears> – <throat> I will say though this, though, about that match – Bad Bunny, I think, impressed everybody. Because I know anytime I hear about a celebrity wrestling, I just start rolling my eyes. But that one, Bad Bunny has a lot of respect for wrestling, and he trained, and he wanted it to be a good match. And that match did not have any business being as good as what it was. And I, like I said, I think everybody was impressed. Oh, no, everyone was impressed. But there was not a doubt that the Miz was going to lose that WrestleMania match. Because it's, it's a celebrity. They always do. And it, it's, I don't want to say predictable, but invisible milestones to, to be pushed you have whatever the Viking Raiders, the Viking experience. Um, they used to be War Machine, which is a much cooler name. But what do they have to do to be pushed in the tag team division? I don't know because they're a good team. They're a solid team. And yeah, War Machine's a good name. I actually do like the Viking Raiders. Viking Experience, uh, not, a, not a fan of the name. It sounds like a ride. It sounds like a what? It sounds like a Disney ride. Um, or something yeah, you tell yeah. a girl in a bar. Do you want to come a ride <laughs> on the Viking Experience? And then you'd probably have a, a beer thrown in your face. Maybe you would. <laughs> but but the, these... It, it's something CM Punk also said, different interview, 
but you bring in all these part-timers that got over in their era. Goldberg beat how many different dudes to get over? I mean, he plowed through most of the WCW roster. Was there anybody in WCW at the time he didn't beat? No, I can't name. Yeah, I don't think there was. And granted, you can't you can't do that to a whole lot of wrestlers. You can't give the Goldberg push to a whole lot of wrestlers. But in order to to get over and, and to mean something to the fans, you kind of have to win. And when you win, who you beat matters. Right. Because Ryback, Ryback got over beating beating jobbers, enhancement talent, but jobbers. And as soon as he got put into main event matches, he lost. And then his fandom dwindled. Brock Lesnar was not getting over when they first brought him back into WWF. They brought him back. He immediately loses to Cena. And then he he basically wrestles Triple H, wins a match, loses a match, wins a match. So his four big matches before the WrestleMania with The Undertaker, he was two and two. He beat uh, the under. Okay, but say was it two and two? He was two and two. But he he beats the Undertaker, and now look at him. Um, beats the Undertaker, destroys Cena. Is WWF champion for four hundred something days. He um. Tears Randy Orton's forehead open. Hey, still won. But becomes big match Brock. And then when Goldberg beats him, it's a big shock. And then when Drew McIntyre beats him, it's a big deal. And it elevates Drew McIntyre to definitely he's cemented in the main event now. And the big match is Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. He puts over uh, Roman Reigns, loses to Roman Reigns. Imagine what happens to Braun Strowman if Braun beats Brock at the Royal Rumble are the um, one of the matches in Saudi. I was thinking we missed somebody. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins was another one he put over. And that was just that WrestleMania. Uh, obviously not this past one, not the past two WrestleManias, but it was the one before that where Rollins beat 
Brock Lesnar. It was like the first match. Yeah, but and, and granted, when Brock loses is talked about. But when you bre- beat Brock Lesnar, it matters because he doesn't lose very often. Right when you beat John Cena, it matters. Same thing, because he doesn't lose very often. So, it's, uh, it, it, it's the age-old thing. When Hulk Hogan lost, let, let's uh, think of when the Ultimate Warrior beat him. Hogan hadn't lost cleanly in years. Oh, when was the last time Hogan lost cleanly before before the Warrior? Um, you know, was that the first time Hogan had lost cleanly? since he had returned to the WWF in late 83. Yeah. And that was 90. So about, about six and a half years, he had not lost cleanly. He had lost the title, but it wasn't clean. Because I don't consider uh, the the Friday night main event where Andre beat him with the crooked referee, the twin referee who had plastic surgery. I don't consider that a, a clean victory for Andre or a clean loss for Hogan. No, that was tainted. He had had some DQ losses. He has had some count-out losses. But, of course, you don't lose the title on a disqualification or a count-out. But he had, like you said, yeah, you're absolutely right. He had not had a clean pinfall or clean submission. And it's the same with Goldberg loss to Kevin Nash. It was different, but the shock brought all the eyes to to Nitro. Everyone wanted to see what was going on. When um, when all the wrestlers have their WrestleMania moments and Triple H beats Chris Jericho, Stone Cold beating Shawn Michaels, uh, Shawn Michaels beating Bret Hart and so on and so forth. Beating someone at the greatest show of them all, it mattered. Now it's okay. Asuka's the the best women's wrestler currently on television, but she's going to be in eight championship matches before she loses the title, and she's going to lose 12 tag team matches. Now, it, is that lazy booking? 
But Bianca Belair, as you talked about in the WrestleMania review, Sasha Banks was the dominant women's champion. And beating her at WrestleMania has set her off. And she's the star right now on SmackDown. Yep. And I actually just... Uh, it was one of the YouTube uh, wrestling channels. They actually did a review this week, this, this past Friday, SmackDown, and they were actually kind of critical of Bianca because they're saying her promos are starting to get stale because her promos are all it's just repeating the same thing over and over and over again about the EST and the S and things like that. Can't take away her skill though, but they said what well, she needs to start working on some different promos. Yeah, you get her in the ring though. I mean, she's she's delivering. Uh, quality matches every time you get her in there. So it it just goes, Ric Flair always said, to be the man, you have to beat the man. Exactly. And with 50, again, it goes back to the brass rings, the 50-50 booking, the imaginary hurdles, the fact that unpopular or not, no one is going to get bigger than the company. No matter what they think of themselves. And the idea comes from Paul Heyman and ECW that when the fans had a moment in ECW, a uh, table broke or a bunch of trash cans were used. The fans chanted ECW. Paul Heyman is not great with money, but one no. thing he did <laughs> no. was he highlighted his wrestlers' strengths and minimized their weaknesses. And one thing... WWE does not do is emphasize a whole lot of strengths. They treat every wrestler like they're the same. And they're not. Kind of like having them all do the same flippity-flop either off the top or over the top to the big gaggle of wrestlers who are all hanging out just waiting to catch the person. And all goes back to quality control. You did this in a match, so I can't do it the rest of the night. If you worked an arm in your match, I have to work a leg in my match. This person has to use a midsection. This person's going to use a back. And there's none of that. It's a performance now. It's not a wrestling match. Exactly, because one of the things that's been touched on is, well, why do they keep repeating these same things over and over and over again? And they say, well, the audience is what they paid to see. Okay, you can't give them something different that's still entertaining. You know, I get tired of seeing them jump over the top. Oh, they're landed because it's no, it's no longer special. The first time you see it, it was special. The first time I saw somebody jump over the top rope, still remember it was Manny Fernandez. 
And I thought it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. But now everybody does it. You even have fat guys doing it. And when big guys wrestle like cruiserweights, what what stands out about a cruiserweight? Right. So it's another unpopular thing. And I will switch to a new topic. But I don't think the WWE lost anything by releasing 13 talents the other day. When you look at the names, uh, the, the ones that immediately came to my mind were uh, Brizongo, you know, Tyler Breeze and Fandango, because they were actually, I guess, top of the mid-card on the main roster for a while. And they had the, the goofy detective thing going on with the, some of the vignettes. But they were still a pretty decent team. They were pretty fun to watch. They were entertaining. And I don't remember which one or maybe both of them got hurt at the same time, like legit injuries. And then when they came back, I mean, they did send them to NXT. You know, so they were still working. But that was the one that immediately um, came to my mind as far as, whoa, okay, they got rid of Bizango. And looking through the list, which I don't have the list in front of me, there were a couple other names afterwards I did look through, and I, and I was a little surprised even though I shouldn't have been. No, even Brizongo, how long had had Tyler Breeze been in the WWE? He had been there a while. 11 years. Okay, I didn't realize it had been that long. So... Nobody on the 205 Live brand, and they they were, it, it was entertaining. They all knew how to wrestle, but do you, do you know who Tony Nese is? You know, I saw that name, and I'm going to go look him up right now, just because I recognized that name, and I was trying to remember who it was. But he... It's 205 Live. Divari, not the Divari that was with Muhammad Hassan, but his brother. Uh, another 205 Live guy. Ever Rise. And, and they made it to some NXT takeovers, and they'd at least been featured on the show recently. But they weren't doing much, and their characters were not over. Tyler Breeze and Fandango were over, but I would say the WWE, like, missed the boat with the fashion police. That's what they were, the fashion police. Thank you. And that's what they, they should have been named, and that's when they were most entertaining on the main roster. And... WWE blew it. It didn't didn't get over, stopped doing it because the fans enjoyed it and liked something that was supposed to be a joke. 
Then you go to uh, August Gray, another NXT talent. So basically, they were trimming a lot of fat this time. That's what it sounds like. They're trimming the higher-priced talent that are on NXT. And granted, we get Ava Marie. And whatever she is doing on Raw right now. You know, there was rumors going around a couple of days ago that she had also been released. But look at look at that. You you gotta clean up the roster if they were getting over. What you got in the past was a contract and the opportunity. And now what they get is two hundred and fifty thousand guaranteed and I don't want to say they're stale, but they're not given the opportunity to get over. It's like whatever weird thing is going on with this dewdrop who looks like a giant dewdrop. No, she looks, she looks like a giant dewdrop. Like the girl that went purple in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, Violet Purple. Violet Purple. Except she's wearing aqua. So she's aqua purple. And this is just weird, watching it on television. Eventually they're going to realize, and they won't, they won't ever realize it is the writing and the failure to develop characters that has made the product stale and boring. It's like the, the big news of the day was Matt Riddle is going to get his name back. I didn't see that. Either that or just totally missed it or just didn't give a crap. Or he's not going to be just Riddle now. Well, they can't call him Riddler because then you're just asking for a lawsuit. So it, it it's like Big E. Why doesn't Big E have his have his name? And you mean Big E Langston, or you just copyright, oh, no, or he, what? No, they they took away Langston. They only call him Big E now. Or kind of like Elias. It was Elias Sampson, and then they just shortened it to Elias. So they create their their own issues. And I can't say AEW is that much better because they're 
their product, they definitely have storylines. And they're created by the wrestlers. Uh, Britt Baker is tremendous as the women's champion right now. The real evil dentist. Uh, and evil dentist, I mean, that gets over. Yep. And she's a real dentist, so I just think that part's amazing, too. All right. What's the next unpopular opinion? The next unpopular opinion. And we can actually go back a little ways for this, but it kind of it does play in what we were saying. DX were overrated and used their influence as the click to get themselves top spots. Which version of DX are you talking about? Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that because I was always just thought DX just in general were just overrated. <laughs> Mainly because when you <clears throat> talk about like Hunter and you talk about Sean and. I was not really sold on them. I know they've always been included as like some of the best factions. I didn't see it because to me, it just seemed like they were just like the the teacher's pets, and they were they were like that that irritating like teacher's pet jock that always got away with everything in high school. They never got in trouble for anything, no matter what they did. But the things, if somebody else would have, would have pulled the same actions, they'd be suspended. They, that's what they kind of reminded me of. And then you come to find out it was, that was actually true. That actually was what was going on. They had Mr. Man's ear. And this was even before Paul Levesque started dating Stephanie. This is when he was still with China. But, Sean was already using, you know, his, uh, I'm, so, you know, I'm one of the favorites and he was, you know, himself. And that's why there was a lot of, the, the was the Bone Street crew with him, Yokozuna, Godfather, I think D'Lo and some other ones were part of that. So I'm going to disagree with you here. Naturally. That's what you do. Well, I mean, it's hard work being this intelligent and trying to communicate it on the podcast. I would say the lack of a Shawn Michaels and a Click group is the reason why WWE is so irrelevant in pop culture right now. You're just talking about the lack of just a faction period. No. You're saying specifically DX. DX, well, DX formed out of the clique. Right. And you say Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Shawn Waltman, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Uh, You could say just incredible when he was not just incredible. And to a lesser extent, China was in sort of in that group. 
but by association. Um, you think about that group with what Scott Hall and Kevin Nash did in WCW, what Triple H, Shawn Michaels did in WWF, with what Sean Waltman did in both organizations, and what Justin Credible did in ECW, those were the top wrestlers in all three promotions in the late 90s. They knew what it took to get over type of storylines that it took to get over. And what was relevant in in society. Vince's way brought reality-based characters. But if you personally ran afoul of the clique, they'd make sure that you were held down. And it would have nothing to do with in-ring things. They didn't like some somebody outside the ring. Well, guess what? They're not going to get a push inside the ring. Because one of those was, what's his face, the pirate guy? Um, Pierre Lafitte, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Jean-Pierre uh, Lafitte. Yes. They made sure he didn't get a push because he, he had some kind of words or something to do with, I think it was Shawn Michaels, actually. And after that, they made sure he always, all of a sudden any kind of push he was going to get, well, it's done. Not going to happen now. And just things like that. And part of that, I think, is even playing, or played into Triple H later on, because this is one of the things when, uh, during the pipe bomb, and then actually, if you want to call it like the second pipe bomb, when, uh, CM Punk and Triple H right right there nose to nose inside the ring and Punk was dropping words on him and he was talking about Hunter holding everybody back especially to, uh, when it came to Wrestlemania Triple H a lot of people they made mistake and they say well Triple H always books himself to win at Wrestlemania that's actually wrong because if you look at his record at Wrestlemania he actually has a losing record however you look at who has the longest matches, and it's almost always Triple H, especially look at like the, the last 10 WrestleManias, and I'm not going to pull them up right now, but if you look at all, every single one, who was in the longest matches, and he was every single time, we're talking his matches were like half an hour when the second longest match may be 15 minutes. And so I, I think that's where he's kind of using his influence because that's where he's holding wrestlers back. It's not that he's saying, I'm not going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to book you to get beat all the time. So, you know, you become a nobody, but I'm not even going to give you that chance. I'm not even going to let you get in the ring. But that's why, you know, when I come, when I hear about the click, that's all I think about. I mean, it's, it's almost like the group of partiers who always get everything. But then of course, when you really want work done, you'd have to go to somebody else. And that's why I say they're overrated because they weren't really the ones, you know, Shawn Michaels could to a certain uh, degree, but, but that was about it. 
Because like the way even Jim Cornette said about Triple H, he said Triple H isn't the one who makes the money. He's the guy who works with the guy who makes the money. But he still makes the money. By working with the guy who makes the money. So, it, it, but you still make the money. It, so that still makes him the second person in the match that makes Well, the people are coming to see the guy who makes the money. They're not coming to see Triple H. He just happens to be the other guy in the ring. And he's going to make sure he positions himself as the other guy in the ring. But anyway, uh, I'm going to go actually, I'm going to ask you about one of yours. And we actually have two that kind of go hand in hand here, talking about kayfabe. You want to read yours? Um, so I, I forgot what I put. I'll, I'll read it then. I didn't know if you had it for you or not. You said the internet ruined wrestling, not kayfabe ending. And I said kayfabe ending hurt the business. Didn't kill the business, but it did hurt the business. And that's not necessarily my opinion, but as, I'm just saying that's an unpopular opinion. That's an opinion that gets thrown out quite a bit. So I don't believe kayfabe killed the business. And I don't think kayfabe hurt the business because you had to be an idiot above the age of 10 to believe wrestling was real to begin with. So this kayfabe stuff that wrestling was real, you know, most of us learned it in third grade that wrestling was a performance. And if you got a ticket in the front row, you can actually see it. And sometimes hear it. So, internet, and specifically the uh, internet wrestling fan, that has ruined wrestling because there's no patience, there's no... There, everything has to be immediate gratification. It's, it's all fast food. And since you use fast food, fast food honestly doesn't taste very good, and it makes people fat. <laughs> but that's the analogy, though, is they want it right now. They want to be able to pull up there to the speaker, make their order, immediately pull around, pay, and depending on which particular place you're at sometimes they give you the food there sometimes you pull up to the next one that they give you your food but you could be in there done within three four minutes and you're gone and that's why the microwave is so popular you don't have to wait for so you know for something to cook on the regular stove just pop it in the microwave and boom done and that's why we had the instant gratification now um even like email and just some some of the things i don't want to get too far into the weeds on this, but some of the things that would take sometimes weeks can now literally take minutes. If I want to, if I'm sitting there, if I was still overseas, think about this. If I'm still overseas, I take a picture, I could send it to you within five minutes. 
Whereas before, I'd have to take it, go get it developed and everything else, and then mail it to you, which could take weeks. But that's the kind of world we live in now. So you're right. Everybody wants the instant gratification. They want the fast food. And instant gratification, there's no long-term storyline. The internet wrestling fan is a niche. It's not, It's the hardcore fan. And you, you think wrestling, uh, at least when I was growing up, and I'm only six years younger, but wrestling was the male soap opera. Yeah, and it's all it's been referred to that for as long as I can remember. It wrestling is being a male soap opera, and they're they're. Internet wrestling are just another unpopular opinion. Um, there's no diversity in today's product. And what I mean by that is all the matches are the same. All the wrestlers have the same build and appearance, except for Dewdrop and Nia Jax. Everything's formatted the same. All the matches last about the same time. The win-loss records are the same. And with the internet wrestling community, we all know it. Oh, there were only 14 minutes of women's wrestling on Raw Monday night. Well, the sad thing about Raw is out of three hours of programming, and I'm talking from the time it starts at 8 o'clock until the time it ends at 11 o'clock, the actual wrestling compared to the, if you want to call them promos, if you want to call them skits, anything like that, the actual wrestling time really isn't that much. Now, granted, I will say, as we're saying this, Johnny Morrison and, um, oh, my God, I just totally blanked on his name. Um, Ricochet are actually putting on a pretty good, pretty decent match. But anyway. The same. Ricochet on the Indies was an amazing talent. And he's just another wrestler in WWE. Oh, this one is doing some flippy, floppy stuff. Oh, okay. Now he's copying, copying a little bit of Chris Jericho. But when you say the internet ruined wrestling, and when we talk about when some people say, "Well, kayfabe ending hurt the business," 
the people who say that, are they not paying attention to, okay, since kayfabe ended, the business has just grown exponentially. They're getting more exposure now than what they ever have. Now, they don't have as many companies as what they used to, but the wrestlers themselves are making more money. They're making they're making more merch or selling more merch, I should say. Now, what was it? Nineteen eighty nine, Kyle. When um, when VKM when he made the de- declaration that it was all a work and it was because of insurance purposes and because of the athletic uh, commissions. Uh ninety one. Yeah. The Undertaker was on the um, on the announcement. Okay. And the ones that really say they wish they had gone back to kayfabe, but here's a question I want to ask them. So you're saying that you would want to go and wrestle your match and get paid $25 and then go get in a car and drive 300 miles to the next town and somehow stretch that $25. And if you're, you're driving, you're not going to drive by yourself because you're going to carpool with somebody. So you all can save money because you all got paid about $25, maybe $35. And you don't have insurance and you're basically living hand to mouth. And you've heard all these stories. And I think, do you want to go back to that? So how would kayfabe ending hurt the business when things like that were hurting the business? And you want to talk about they couldn't even keep kayfabe anyway because, you know, Foley Foley said this in his book. When he had he he had made a friend um, in Evansville, Indiana, and this is when Foley was working out of Memphis. And they would have their loop where they'd go Memphis, Nashville, uh, some in Louisville, and some in Evansville, Indiana. And sometimes they would actually stop in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. How do you like that? And he got to be friends with this girl in Evansville who she uh, she had a terminal disease. You know, I don't know if it was cancer or something, something like that. And he mentioned something to her about you know, losing the title or, or something happened. And she said, oh, I'm, she's like, yeah, I saw you actually do the same thing the other night in Louisville or whatever. If you're trying to protect the business so much, maybe you shouldn't have us doing the same match over and over again in four different towns that are all part of the same territory. Do you, do you think people don't go to the different shows? You know, do you think they just stay in that one area? They don't go, what, and this is pre-internet. But I do think it. Some of the things that's helped them is think about how how big WrestleMania has gotten. They can't hold WrestleMania in anything but a stadium now. That's not hurting the business. That's the business. That's making the business just boom. But anyway, what were you saying? Well, the the art of learning their craft is wrestling a slightly different match in every town. But 
it goes back to another thing pointed out on the internet. Why are they wrestling? It's like I told my son, pandemic, um, about work and different things. And he came home one night and he goes, someone called me fat at work. And in my natural dad voice, I said, well, are you? You sound like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, but anyway. <laughs> well, no, you you can't get upset if someone points out the obvious. Like I have a big head and floppy ears. <laughs> if someone points that out, can I really get upset about it? No. Kind of sounds like I had the movie, uh, the movie Roxanne with Steve Martin. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, where they say, hey, where are you going, big nose? And he said, you see this, and that's the best you could come up with is big nose. And then he rattled off. It's supposed to be 20, but if you actually count it, that's your 25 insults that are better than big nose. But anyway, but yeah, like you said, now you're saying like each match, like why are they why are they having that particular match? And I think we've actually we've we covered this a lot, but it still bears repeating because it's something that's missing out of today's product is the why. Yeah, there there is no no why. Yeah, at least not for every some of the matches we do know why. If it's for a title, we know why. But if it's just hey, we're gonna have these random people just go against each other, or we're gonna have a random tag match, these two guys are gonna tag against these other two guys in a tag and nobody's ever tagged before and so they're not gonna have the tag team chemistry because I don't care. When you have an established tag team and they get the, the nice the tag team moves like a Midnight Express or the Revival or something like that. Yeah, you know, those moves are nice. But when you get two people that have never tagged before, you're not going to have that. And so it's just, here, let's just go have a match just to fill some time. That and tag teams with no names, uh, no matching gear, and no theme song. It, it's like something I'm watching on the NWF product that Adam Swayze and Rex. The Hollywood Blondes. Right. And they are breaking up as a tag team, correct? They haven't yet. I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't on the last show because I figured that'd be it. But I also have a feeling the next show probably will be it if they continue on the path it's going. 
but their promo photos for other federations, other events, still have them in the tag team pink outfits. Yeah. So how does that make you stand out if you were in a singles match? I'm guessing, did you see the thing that I shared earlier on Facebook? Because they are both in a show on the 9th, but it's all the way down in Paris, Kentucky. And I don't know if I'd be able to make that one or not, just because of the distance and having to get back here uh, after the show's over. Um, But yeah, you're right. I mean, both of them are in two totally separate matches, but their promo photos are of them in their Hollywood blonde, like the pink get-up. But if you were to watch them, they they actually are a pretty solid team as far as like the the moves uh, that they do, like the double team moves, the tag team moves they do. They're pretty good. But they good. They're singles matches, and they look the same. And you talking about just the look itself? Just the look, because that's, that's what attracts you to to the flyer. Because the first thing, I, I look at the flyer, and I look to see if Selena Dean is on it. And she, of course, is not. There are, what, five different matches that are on this... Uh, Flyer. I'm going to it right now. You talking about the one that I I shared like four hours ago? Yeah. Yep. Um. All right, just saving it. I'm going to take another look at it. Because uh, I, I shared it because I want to get the word out for any kind of independent show because I think people should still go support those. You don't have to have the WWE or even even AEW to have a quality show. And I wish people would kind of understand that. But uh, let's see. Yeah, Rex is in a four-way match. Uh, Pompano Joe's in a match. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six matches um, that they're talking about. One of which is an intergender match with Big Mama. Actually, um, Adam Swayze is going against Lotus. Now, here's the funny thing about that. Adam Swayze and Rex, of course, the Hollywood Blondes, they had the tag team belts with the NWF up until Lotus and Starrider beat them for the belts uh, a couple months ago. And so now they're going against each other in a singles match, Adam Swayze and Lotus. But, but anyway, you, you see the the flyer, mm-hmm. and for the most part, most people are posed in different different ways. the 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 size difference is no, noticeable. There's no one tremendously jacked um, in the greatest amount of shape. But everyone looks different. 
so you, you see that and there there's kind of something for everybody on the flyer. Yeah, I can see that. And then ideally, um, not knowing this promotion and not having followed them, there are stories why each of these wrestlers are wrestling. Well, the... um... So the, the main event, yeah. yep. the main event for a title shot. Mm-hmm. Adam Swayze and Lotus is for a number one contender match. Whatever the grudge match is over, and who knows why Big Mama is fighting this dude. And I would say there's definitely some kind of collaboration going on with the NWF with this, considering who some of the uh, main people are with this, especially with Big Mama. But anyway, Kyle, you were saying? So there just being something different for everybody, a reason for the matches, and that's that's the basis of of wrestling like i i could basically stir the pot enough on facebook to get myself booked into a wrestling match are you going to try to do that i could i personally don't have any free time right now to do that but if I really wanted to, I could stir the pot enough to get myself booked into a wrestling match. Well, if you book yourself in Cincinnati, let me know. I'm going to try and avoid Ohio, just to be honest. <laughs> but it, it's it's it. It's an art form. Like talking to Selena Dean, a woman's wrestler in a Rick Rude gimmick would piss so many women and people off, pay to watch you get beat. Hmm. And imagine doing the reverse kissing gimmick and then rejecting someone that doesn't meet your physical standards. Imagine the heat that would get. Um, do you think there would be more heat with a guy doing that or a girl? A girl doing that. Um, I don't know. I think a guy doing that... Rejecting a girl for her um, for her physical appearance would actually get more heat. And I think a girl rejecting a guy for that would get laughs, to be honest with you. I think it, even in today's society, I think if a girl did it, an attractive girl, 
an attractive girl did it, then it would draw mega heat. Because there's no heat like getting embarrassing someone getting rejected on a on a stage. You sound like you're segueing into my last uh, opinion. I'm not even looking at your list. Which that that's the wild thing. I knew you weren't looking at my list, and you were still like, "Wow." I, I was thinking, man, he must be doing this from memory. Um, heels have to cheat for heat, and that's stuff that I don't I don't agree with. Because, like you said, rejecting a fan, like try to like, okay, act like you're going to like give a fan a kiss, but then reject them for the physical appearance. That's going to get heat. That has nothing to do with cheating, though. Story that there has to be good guys and bad guys. Yes, it and makes the stories more compelling. There can be tweeners if a good guy and a bad guy exist. But there there has to be good and evil. Like there you don't have the Avengers without a bad guy trying to take over the world. Or to eliminate a, what was it, Hydra that was trying to take over the world. Trying to take over the world. Or Thanos trying to eliminate 50% of the living beings. In order to have a good guy, you have to have a bad guy. And the better the bad guy, the better the good guy. Right, but does the bad guy have to cheat to show they're a bad guy? Um, there's a such thing as bad people who can be bad with their behavior or their words. Right. But in the ring... There should be cheating. I don't even call it cheating. In a real fight, there are no rules. So, um, not that I, I watched, but there are occasional temper tantrums that people have, and they go, let's box. And they go, why why would I want to box you? And and I go, I don't box. Maybe the first thing I'm going to do is take out your leg. Or I'm going to poke you in the eye. Or I'm going to punch you in your throat. And they go, my objective is to win and get out of the situation, not to box you. And go, "We're, we're all grown adults. But the object in a street fight is to survive. So the object of a wrestling match would should be to win. I would say so. And 
to to format a match you, you what is it you have to get the heat and the comeback and there there's an ebb and a flow to a match but there there is no match format now they're just wrestling well not only that but the referee and people forget about the referee being the quintessential third man in the ring they have to they're supposed to be enforcing the rules but unfortunately you have so many cases like in the last match I don't know if you still have it on but the the four on four women's match where it just all chaos broke loose and they should have been disqualified or counting some people out and they never did. Um, but we're talking about getting heat and cheating to get heat. But part of the problem with that, that was happening uh, with Hogan. Hogan was also cheating. And I think that was another thing where people actually stopped liking Hogan because, like, wait a minute, he's he's supposed to be Mr. All-American, say your prayers, take your vitamins guy, but he he's in there scratching people's eyes. He's scratching their backs, like, hard, like, raking their backs. And he just – he's hitting people with chairs. He's throwing ashes in the Undertaker's eyes. Why would we cheer him when he's doing the things that he's supposed to be fighting against? But Ted DiBiase got heat really – because he was the million-dollar man, I'm better than you. And then him kicking the basketball when the little kid was driven, what was it, 15 times in a row? And when he got to number 14, he kicked it. Which was fantastic. Oh, it was. <laughs> I was like, what, 13 or 14? I was like, oh, man, that's messed up. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, uh, that's how he was getting people to hate him. And if you back in the days of the Cold War, they can't really do it now. They could, but they won't. When you had all the Russian wrestlers, which none of them were even from Russia. I think the closest one to being from Russia was Nikolai Volkov, and he was Croatian. And you know, you did have the Iron Sheik, who was you know he actually is from Iran, and. Iran was a pretty big enemy of the United States back in the 80s. They were getting booed. They were the bad guys just for being there. They didn't even have to cheat. So everything they did, they were they were getting booed. But well, if, somebody it, wants, if somebody wants to cheat, hey, I'm not going to stop them. Easier to tell a story with a good guy and a bad guy. Yes. It's like right now you have Elias and Jackson Riker in a strap match and they have wrestled one time. And they're already in a strap how, match. How did they get to a strap match? A strap match should not be the second match. So there's no there's no good guy. Like which one is the good guy? I would assume 
Jackson Riker because they've been pushing Elias as a heel, but that's not even a guarantee. So, in in order to be cheered, there has to be someone that is getting booed. Right. And however you get booed, whether it be cheating by being a bad person, by voting for Trump, what whatever that gets people upset these days, and there's a whole list of things on Twitter that you can do to make people mad. Yep. Uh, do one of them if you're supposed to be the bad guy. And this is where wrestling on an indie show where you don't have the uh, the luxury of the vignettes, that's something else that you can really cut your teeth because when I go to the NWS show, I've gone to enough of them now, I know who the, the faces and the heels are. Um, sometimes it's as simple as just they're walking down the aisle and you have some fans, mostly kids, that are going to the aisle and they're sticking their hands out to get a high five. If they walk past them or say, get away from me or something like that, there's your bad guy. Just a simple act like that. Of course, if they're coming through there and they're giving all the high fives and and things like that, you know that's the good guy. That's that's the hey cheer for me. I'm I'm with you. But now when they get in the ring, a lot of times they're in the Indies. You will have the the heels. They will be uh, maybe bending a couple rules here and there. Anyway. So it, it's it's just basic storytelling. Yeah, those are just elements, unpopular or not. WWE has gotten away from them, and Impact is trying. AEW's hit or miss. N- New Japan, I I can't say. Um, I understand enough, but I mean, I get a pretty decent idea of what's going on. There are elements of storytelling, regardless of either, whether or not you have a writer or a professional stuntman, whatever. There's no quality control, and there's no... They've lost the element of storytelling. And when the UFC can tell a wrestling story better than a wrestling company, you know you've got problems. Hmm. John Cena, number one movie. Who would have thunk it? So, well, I don't know if you've ever heard the story. Uh, it's another one of the ones that Cornette talked about, and he gets to talk about Vince Russo. 
And it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not a secret about Cornette's feelings about Vince Russo. He's been very vocal about his absolute hatred for the man. But one of the one of the calmest times I've heard him talk about Russo, Vince Russo, for better or worse, when he was telling the stories, he didn't believe in good guys and bad guys, necessarily. And apparently Dutch Mantel told him, he said, hey, I have a book right here that it's nothing but good guys and bad guys. It tells all sorts of stories about good versus bad. And Vince said, oh, yeah, what's that? He said, it's the Bible, one of the oldest <laughs> books known to man. And and so that's why Vince Russo catches a lot of flack for his particular uh, storytelling. And which, by the way, uh, you know, he follows us on Twitter. But I, I seriously doubt he listens, but he does follow us. But him removing that that particular element and you can always tell the the Vince Russo kind of a car crash style of booking. It was just nonstop. I mean there was no time to re, to relax during part of it and the storylines just jumping all over the place and his one of his thing, favorite things to do was also um was to throw in the swerves in there as basically catch everybody off guard. But if you don't know who to cheer and who to boo, then you can't well you, you were talking about like character development. Because even even in other sports when you have something like a boxing, you have bad guys and good guys in boxing. Now, they don't promote them as that, necessarily. But, you know, there's some that people just love to hate. You have that in basketball. You have it in baseball. You have it in football. And they're not doing it just to be a character. I mean, that's actually them. So why wouldn't they have that in something that is actually scripted? What do you think? I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's... And like you said, right now, Elias and Jackson Riker in a strap match for... Why a strap match? And why they're giving away this for free? This right here is, it should be a pay-per-view match, which makes me think that maybe they are going to have a, a strap match as a pay-per-view match at some point in the near future. And... You know, I'm actually a little surprised because a strap matches can actually get pretty violent. I'm actually kind of surprised they'll have this on on TV. But uh, what are you doing? You don't pin somebody in a strap match, and that's actually something else. They're not consistent with the rules. But anyway, but yeah, just watching this because I had the volume turned down. I don't know who the good guy is. I don't know who the bad guy is, and Weren't these two, weren't they a team just two weeks ago? Hey, you've been watching more than I have. Uh, 
I'm going to assume Jackson Riker is the face in this one, but I don't know. But anyway, Kyle, do you have any any more examples of unpopular opinions we may not have discussed? Because we've actually ran through every single one that are on both of our respective lists now, and we've actually talked about some that were not on the list. And speaking of anniversaries, I'd be also remiss to not mark it out. Since yesterday was the 10th anniversary of the pipe bomb, today is the 23rd anniversary of Mick Foley almost dying. No, Mick Foley planned all those spots. No, Mick Foley played the first one. He didn't play the second one. That's just poor workmanship. Yeah, whoever built the cage. But either way, um, a lot of opinions on wrestling, I would just say the product is not hip right now. And I really don't think anything is going to change that. Not overnight. The, the, how it got to where it is now wasn't overnight. And to get it back to where it's going in a better direction is also not going to be overnight. It's kind of like losing weight. You didn't gain the weight overnight. You're not going to lose it overnight. I'm going through that right now. But so so over the next few weeks, Kyle, we've been trying to figure this out. You're not going to be available next week. You're going to no. be all, you're you're going to be enjoying your vacation with your family, a very long deserved vacation, my friend, because you need to take some time to relax. I'm going to be in parts unknown. You're going to be in parts unknown. Um, and then the week after that, uh, my wife is having surgery, so I'm going to actually going to be out of pocket. So we'll figure something out, and I've already got some ideas in my head, and I'll actually let you know what's going on. Even even if you're not able to participate, I'll still just let you know what's, what's up, so that way you're not caught off guard by anything. All right. Sound good? Sounds good. Yeah, this is this happens to be a wild time in, in both of our lives right now. So um yeah, definitely go enjoy your vacation and enjoy your time with your family. And yeah, I can't think of anything. Yeah, just yeah, definitely do go enjoy your time with your family, man. Go go relax. Because nobody's been able to relax over the past year and a half since the pandemic started. Oh, no. I, I go to non-mask-wearing places and was relaxing just fine. It's just taking the vacation. Right. So, as any plans I have, as they start to come to fruition, I will let you know. Uh, if you... Don't know if you get a chance to at least listen to the podcast while you're on vacation. Uh, family comes first. You know, that's that's one of our, our rules about the podcast is no matter what, family comes first. 
All right, my friend, and have fun on your vacation. God bless you, and I'll be talking to you. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Bye. All right.